You are now tuned in to the December 26th podcast, where we encourage you to be extraordinary on an ordinary day. everybody welcome to another episode of the december 26er podcast i am your host delicia as always thank you so much for tuning in and thank you to those of you who took a moment out to wish me a happy birthday a few days ago it is much appreciated i celebrated by doing what i do best leaving the country it was great to have a few days just to rest and recharge and plot this year a little bit. And I must say, I'm very excited for what's in store. I'm excited for what we're planning for this little podcast. And I hope you're looking forward to more great content because we are going to keep forging ahead. Also, before I forget, remember to rate, review, subscribe and share this podcast. It is much appreciated. And on a related note, we are officially on Google Play Music. So if you are someone that uses that app, particularly Android users, feel free to search for us on there. You can find us by searching December 26 or podcast. That's December, the number two, the number six ER podcast. And we should pop up under the podcast results. Okay, so now that we got the housekeeping out of the way, let's jump right into the meat and potatoes of today's episode. First and foremost, if you have not listened to episode six, last week's episode, I would highly suggest that you do that as this is a two-parter. So episode six is part one. Now episode seven is part two. If you caught episode six, you may recall that I spent some time talking about how to balance social obligations with trying to create the life that you want. We all know that that can be incredibly consuming and it can be very hard to find the appropriate balance. So in that episode, I offered up some tips for how to plot your week and how to decide whether you have the time to commit to certain social obligations. At the end of that episode, I mentioned that there are scenarios in which the rules do not apply. So when you've got to throw everything that you've planned personally to get your life in order to the wayside and really focus your attention on the people that you care about. And that is what I want to get into in this particular episode. But before we go there, please allow me to digress a little bit. Well, I don't even really know if it's digressing because I think it is relevant to the conversation. But in any case, let me offer up this disclaimer. I know that I talk a lot about being disciplined and focusing on your dreams and making progress towards your goals and reinvention, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And all of those things are valid. But also, I think it's important to say that I am a person, I consider myself highly productive, highly focused, highly diligent. But it's important to acknowledge also that I do not have a husband, nor do I have children. So it's very easy for me to pour my energy into this podcast and my profession and the causes that I am passionate about. Not saying that you can't do that at all if you have a family. However, I see my friends on a day-to-day basis who have kids and what it takes for them to really make sure that they are taken care of. And I know sometimes parents can beat themselves up because they don't necessarily feel as productive as they would like as it relates to their own personal goals. But you have the hardest job in the world. You are shaping the next generation. You're helping to turn good little people into great adults. And that absolutely cannot be discounted. I know I've said in previous episodes that guilt is a useless emotion. There's no reason to beat yourself up. If you only have 15 minutes or 20 minutes a day to dedicate to your dreams and aspirations, or maybe you don't have any time right now at all to do that, it's okay. I know there are these gurus online who are YouTubers or bloggers, and they somehow manage to live on a plant-based diet and work out for four hours a day and homeschool 
homeschool their three beautiful, thriving children while also releasing videos on a daily basis that six million people watch. That is great, but that's not going to be everyone's story. Don't play the comparison game. And as it relates to this podcast, you may have to adjust some of the tips that I'm giving to fit your lifestyle. And that's fine too. Take in what's for you and leave the rest. I may be stating the obvious, but you are clearly doing the best that you know how, and that is nothing to beat yourself up about. Okay, so let's get into today's specific topic. Now, you may recall last week I talked about how I designate tasks on my to-do list. I have the NNs, the non-negotiables, the DDs, the things that can be delayed or delegated, and also the CCs, things that are constructive but not crucial. Then I essentially make decisions about social obligations and invitations in relation to that long list of tasks. So in order to fit in, say, a party that someone has invited me to or a fundraiser that I would like to attend, I often have to replace those CDCs and even maybe the DDs with the social obligation. But I try my hardest not to touch the non-negotiable. Those are the things that I have to do no matter what. And sometimes it means respectfully declining that invitation. However, there is a scenario in which my standard rules do not apply where I will throw caution to the wind, I will throw those non-negotiables by the wayside and just try to be present. And that scenario is when a close friend is experiencing a time of crisis or has experienced a significant loss. And I know this topic may seem to be really off track from what it is that I normally talk about. However, sometimes being extraordinary just means being a really great friend. Any relationship, platonic or otherwise, that has grown roots will eventually require you to support each other through a very difficult situation. And that's not easy. And a lot of friendships are tested by those difficult situations. But you will encounter it. If you're trying to forge deep relationships with people, you're going to need to be supported or they're going to need to be supported at one point or another. And I really try to be a good friend. I'll be the first to admit that I am a hyper-focused person. I'm not a huge fan of the phone. I get really anxious. If I feel like I'm off track with my to-do list and things that I really have to get done, and that may mean that I'm not always available, but I do try to be there when things hit the fan with the people that I care about. And I'm grateful that I have people in my life who will do the same for me. And let me just be real. I don't want to ever have to look the people I care about in the face and have that conversation that Quincy and Monica had outside the dorm in Love and Basketball. If you saw the movie, you know the line I'm talking about where he tells her, you forgot to be there. Now, I think her reason for not being there was valid, but that's neither here nor there. I don't want to ever have to have that conversation with someone where they feel like I've abandoned them in their time of need when that feeling is justified. So I work very hard to be present when it matters. Now, when someone is going through something that is incredibly difficult. It's hard to know what to do. So I just want to talk today about a few tips that you can use to help a friend or a loved one through loss. And loss can mean many things. It can mean loss of a job, loss of a relationship, a divorce, etc. But today I want to focus on loss of a loved one. So when someone's going through extreme grief over death, how it is that you can be there for them. And really, some of these tips can be applied to other types of loss as well. So glean from it what you can and use it where you can, okay? Okay, tip number one, do not fall into one of two extremes. The first one, avoid doing the least. Let me explain what I'm talking about. I know I've done this. You've probably done it as well or witnessed someone else do it. You find out that someone has lost a loved one, someone has died. And the first thing you do is drop a text or send them a message or post on their timeline via social media with the following. 
I'm so sorry for your loss. If there's anything that I can do, please reach out. You know that I'm here for you, okay? That is a great message. It's very sweet. And I know often we do it because it gives us an out. I get it. It's uncomfortable. It's awkward to reach out to someone live when they have experienced death. We don't know what to say. We don't know what to do. You don't even know what you're walking into when you call them or show up. But the reality of it is when you send that message, you're not necessarily there for the person. You're actually hiding behind a computer or phone screen and it is not the same thing. And secondly, often we try to keep the pressure off by putting the ball in their court and saying, okay, if you need me, just let me know. But the reality of it is when someone is dealing with death, particularly if it has just happened, they don't even have the capacity to decipher their own thoughts to figure out what it is that they need from you. So there are some people who are masters at logistics and will say, can you please do X, Y, and Z for me to help me move through uh, this difficult period? But most people do not function at that level when they're in the middle of extreme distress and frankly trying. So they're not going to be able to communicate to you what it is that they need. And you think that you've done a good deed by not forcing yourself on them. However, in this scenario, it might be best to actually go ahead and just do what you think is best to help them or in the alternative, offer up some suggestions and let them choose the best way in which you can support them. Okay, the other extreme, avoid doing the most. I hate to say it, but truth of the matter is that we are often driven by ego. And sometimes people don't completely go MIA, but in the alternative, they are way too in the mix. They want to be the person that is like the right-hand man when someone's going through grief and they're often bulldozing their way into the situation. Not a good move either. You have to let the person's mood lead. The reality is grief is not linear and not everyone grieves in the same way. So you may be expecting someone who's completely broken and in a puddle of tears when you first approach them about their loss. And they may show zero emotion or maybe in what can be seen as a catatonic state. In that instance, don't try to force them to cry on your shoulder. Don't try to force yourself as the comforter. Or in the alternative, if they're having a bad moment or a bad day, don't try to force them into a place of positivity. Whatever it is that they are feeling, you've got to honor that and respect it. The most important thing is to just be present. And down the line, if you feel like they are not adequately processing what has happened, you can make some suggestions. You can say, hey, maybe you should go to a counseling session or find a support group. But it's not your job, particularly very early on, to try to strong arm them into a different mood. It just never ends well. It is not the best approach to take. Okay, next tip. Take the everyday load off. What I mean by that is take responsibility for those everyday tasks that may seem easy but can be incredibly overwhelming and difficult to manage when you are dealing with death, particularly in those early days when you're trying to plan a funeral or just make sense of what happened. So let your fingers do the walking. Whether you can be present or not, take the time and allocate some resources to, say, uh, ordering a cleaning service for the person or having catering or groceries sent to their house or just sending some things from Amazon Pantry like snacks or cases of water. You have no idea how much of a load you will take off if you do that for someone. Because first and foremost, in those first few days, a lot of people are going to be in and out of their home and they're often having something to drink. They're having coffee or tea or just snacking. You know, people are around and it can be difficult difficult to make sure that the kitchen is fully stocked. And also with so much foot traffic, often the house gets a little bit cluttered. So people may not have the energy or the ability to focus on keeping things clean. So whatever you can do to help take the load off will be much appreciated. I guarantee it. I experienced this myself at the end of 2015 when my beloved grandfather died just before the Christmas holiday and it rocked me to my core. 
not only because he was like a father to me, but because I had experienced so much loss in the previous two-year period. I had been to more funerals during that time than I care to count. So I just felt like I didn't know how to forge ahead or move past it. And because of the time of year that it was, some of my closest friends just were not available. They couldn't be present for me, although they wanted to, for one reason or another. So what they did was they banded together and they ordered catering for the repast. And I can't tell you how much that affected my family and me personally. It made me feel so supported, even though they couldn't be present physically, I knew that they were thinking about me and cared for me in a very real way. So if you're in a similar situation where you just absolutely cannot be present in person, or even if you can, it never hurts to offer up some tactical support and provide some resources to them that they may not think to ask you for, but probably really need. Okay, next tip, avoid false equivalence. Now, we've all done it. I'm sure I have, and I'm sure you have too, because we just want to be helpful. But avoid situations where you explain some loss that you've experienced and offer up details of how you overcame it as the blueprint or the end-all be-all. And even in situations where someone may come to you and say, I'm having a really difficult time, How did you get through this? You have to tread lightly. You have to be very careful because while our heart and our intentions are in the right place, often it doesn't land in the way that we want it to. And you end up angering the person or just making them feel worse. You've got to use judgment. Even when they solicit your advice, it's important to couch it in a reminder that no two people's experiences are going to be the same and everyone grieves differently. So while your timeline might have been six months to feel like you've come out of the darkness, theirs may be a year and that's okay. They've got to grieve in the way that works. For them. So just make sure they know that. Next tip adjust your approach as needed. Grief is a tricky thing and it can make people legitimately crazy, okay? They can be up and down and all over the place. So, what someone needs from you today may be very different than what they need from you tomorrow. I have seen it happen over and over and over again. You may be in a situation where you're hanging out with a friend who has just experienced the death of a loved one and they say to you, they look you in your face and say, I just want everyone to get out. I need to be by myself. I don't want to be around anybody. Please leave. In that moment, you may need to honor that, but don't just stay away because two days later, they may come back to you and say, I just feel like nobody's supporting me. I need people to show up and be present. I'm going crazy. I can't be here by myself. It may sound nuts and you may be thinking in that moment, are you kidding me? You just kicked me out 48 hours ago and now you're complaining about how you can't be alone and you need people to support you. But you've got to sit in that moment without judgment. People's needs fluctuate moment by moment, hour by hour, or day by day when they are in serious grief. And as a friend, all you can do is try to respond accordingly and meet their needs the best you know how. So don't say it. Don't say to them, I can't believe you flipped the script here. Don't say that. Even if you're feeling it, just try to be there for them as you can. Okay, next tip. Do not make promises you cannot keep. This one is incredibly crucial. I'm going to let you in on a little secret. Just like people remember what you did for them when they were experiencing extreme loss, they also remember what you did not do but said you were going to do, okay? People's memories are long and you're very sensitive to disappointment when you're in the middle of grief. So if you've said, I'm going to be there to watch your kids or I'm going to help you by picking up the flowers, I don't care what it is. You have to honor that obligation. And if for some reason you cannot, do yourself a favor and do them a favor and find someone else who can do it for you or just own up to it. Whatever you do, don't go radio silent. Don't bury your head in the sand. Be honest and apologize if you cannot meet the obligation that you agreed to. I promise you, if you do not do this, it will cause a rift in your friendship that might be irreparable. It may sound very extreme, but I'm speaking from experience. Keep your word. 
Okay, last tip for today. Be the friend who doesn't forget. When someone first loses a loved one, I can guarantee you everybody and their mother is going to be around. But something happens after that first week or two. The crowd thins significantly. So you go from having all this support, almost feeling overwhelmed by the crowds often, to then feeling like the walls are closing in on you and nobody is there. People go back to their lives. It's human nature. You get through the service and everything, and people just return to their day-to-day routines. It's not intentional, but it happens. And then this person is left with what I consider to be the start of the real grieving process. And it can be incredibly difficult to face the finality of it all, especially after everyone has gone home. Now, this is where you can really set yourself apart as an extraordinary friend. There are a few simple steps that you can take that will make a world of difference. First, remember to document important dates. I'm talking the day that their loved one, your friend's loved one passed away and that person's birthday. Also, remember to check in on major holidays. These are days where most folks have gone on with their lives and they're celebrating with their family and their loved ones. They don't necessarily think about the fact that this could be a very, very difficult occasion for the person that experienced loss. So what I try to do is make sure that I have those dates locked in my calendar and when they roll around, just reach out to the person. Hey, I know it's your mom's birthday. How are you doing today? I know today marks a year since your father has been gone. Are you okay? Merry Christmas. I know you probably have some mixed emotions. It's bittersweet. It's your first holiday without your spouse. Just wanted to check in and let you know that I care about you and I was thinking of you. These simple steps will make people feel like they're not the only one keeping their loved one's memory alive and you care about them enough to take a few moments out of what is probably a really fun day for you just to make sure they're okay. Okay, something else you can do. Offer to help them with the logistics of winding up their deceased loved one's affairs. This can be incredibly traumatic. If you've got to clean out somebody's house or sort through their files or figure out estate issues. And oftentimes, you're not going to want to face the music. Nobody wants to try to figure out how to grieve and at the same time deal with the aftermath of someone's death. So as a friend, I'm going to tell you right now, it's not going to be fun. You may have to comfort somebody through some very difficult but necessary steps. But I'm telling you, this is a point where a lot of people run for the hills. And if you can be there and help them to get through those logistical things, that, dear friends, is how you move through life as a 26er. Okay, last way to be the friend who doesn't forget. Be the last man standing. If you've been through it, you know, grief is a long, arduous process, particularly in that first year. And after the first couple of months, most people go away. So if you can be the friend that's still present, who sticks around, is in regular contact, invites your friend to lunch or dinner, and just tries to give them a bit of normalcy as they try to find their new normal, you are a cut above the rest. And you don't necessarily have to take this responsibility on by yourself, but take the lead. Get with your other friends and you guys figure out a schedule and say, okay, you make sure you invite her out this weekend. I'm going to try to do so next weekend or go out as a group, particularly in those first 12 months. It is important to have a tribe. It's important to have people who really help you to get out of that dark space and have a break from the pain that you feel. It doesn't necessarily go away, but these things can serve as distractions. Social interaction and human connection is incredibly important. 
Well, my time is about up for today, but I hope you enjoyed this episode, even though it was pretty different than some of the prior episodes. I think it's very important to speak to the whole person. Achievement is great, but we also need to make sure that we are acknowledging our own humanity and the humanity of others. We all need emotional support, and often we haven't been equipped with the tools to receive it or actually give it to someone else. So hopefully you were able to glean something from the tips that I shared here. And in the future, we'll be dealing with some other themes that speak to mind, body, and spirit. Until we meet again, please do not forget to rate, review, share, and subscribe to this podcast. And remember to be extraordinary on an ordinary day. Take care. Thank you for listening to the December 26th podcast. I am your host, Delisha. This episode was produced by Demarcus Adisa and music was provided by Thovo. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at December 26th. That's December 26ER.